Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. This week, um, we're going to continue in our relationship series called Some Assembly Required. And uh, last week, if you were with us, uh, we read from Psalm 127, verse 1, and the verse was this, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. And we talked about marriage in, in particular and specifically being God's design. And we said that if God designed it, He's the only one who could define it for us. And that was last week. We talked also about three basic aspects of God's marriage blueprints. Number one, we, I think we have it on the screen, leave, cleave, and then how to become one. And we talked about when to become one, that's really where some assembly required comes into play. Because it's two different lives coming together, joining together as one. And so today is part two in our relationship series called Some Assembly Required. And we're going to be talking about boundaries. Boundaries. And this is a fun subject. It's an interesting subject. And for some of us, it's maybe an uncomfortable subject uh, because boundaries are interesting. For, for We all have different ideas of what they are. Um, have you ever spoken to someone or someone walks up to you and they're, they're just a little too close? They're just a little too in your Invisa square, right? And, and you kind of take a step back and as you do, they take a step forward. They inch with you, right? We're talking about boundaries today. I remember... Um, our lawn used to be in trouble, our grass, our lawn at home. And uh, we worked really hard to get it green again. It was like dying, and I was asking everyone at church for, for tips on how do you revive your lawn that's just dead. And so we got it looking nice and green. By the way, my neighbor, he loves his grass more than us. So his grass was always green and always beautiful. But it, his is really thick, and when he cuts it, he cuts it really, really, really short, like I'm talking an inch. Uh, our, our standards are two to three inches, so it stays longer and greener, and there are less weeds, at least that we can notice. But um, this is how we were instructed to care. One day decided, you know what, my 15-year-old son is old enough to start learning how to cut the grass, and he empowered his son, I think Priscilla, got, and cut and mow the lawn. And so I wasn't home. I think Priscilla got home before me that day, and she, she messaged me saying, Jonathan, I'm so upset. I was like, what happened? She's like, our neighbor mowed the lawn. I was like, okay, awesome. And she's like, and he went one row beyond his property line and, and did an extra line. Now the problem is that he mows it super short. So when I got home to take a look at why she was so frazzled, all we could see are the swirls of different than the quality because he cut ours way too short. And the quality of our grass was very different than the quality of his grass. Long story short, those property lines are boundaries. They're invisible, but we knew that he crossed the line. And we could tell, whoa, something here. We didn't cut this because we know how to cut our lawn. Our lawn is whose responsibility? Ours. His lawn is his responsibility. And so uh, basically, 
we were left with, um, we were trying to be good neighbors, so we didn't say anything. And next time he was out cutting the grass, I tried to hear and, and just show up, you know, <laughs> just make sure that, hey, you know, <laughs> you see the big crease right here? Yeah, that, that's the property line, right? Just stand enough so he would know. Um, but thankfully, we haven't had any issues. And I'll just uh, put it to goodwill or good gesture on their part to mow that extra lawn. Uh, today we're going to look at boundaries, and uh, right from the very beginning, last week we read out of Genesis 2. Today, if you have your Bible, would you stand with me and open it to Genesis chapter 3 as we dive into this second part of our series. How many of you enjoyed last week if you were here? Amen. It is available online um, on uh, Apple Podcasts or also on Spotify. You just search Weston Road. And I keep saying this whenever I talk about our podcast. You'll either find Drake's song or you'll find our podcast. So you're Weston Road Flows or you're going to find Weston Road Pentecostal Church. Either way, you're going to find the podcast eventually. So if you have your Bible, Genesis chapter 3, we're going to begin reading at verse 1. And here's what it says. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the uh, the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband. Who was with her and he ate it too. And look at verse 7. At that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Let's pray today. Father I thank you for your word. Lord as we dive in today and Lord even discuss the subject of boundaries. Lord I pray that um, through me and through your word especially, that your spirit would speak to every heart. Lord, I pray even through this series that we would be challenged. Even as last week dealt with marriage, this week deals more with us as individual people. God, I pray that you would empower us with your word and your spirit to better us, Lord, so we can be better for others. We love you, God, and I ask now for your anointing upon me as I preach your word. Anoint my mind, my lips, and my heart. That I might speak the way you want me to speak, say the words you want me to say. And Lord, that I would deliver the word that you have for your church today. We ask you all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Don't close your Bible quite yet because we're going to read further down into Genesis chapter 3. But I do want to break it down and walk us through briefly what we've read so far. In verse 1. We read that the serpent approaches the woman regarding something that didn't, that God didn't communicate directly to her. And I'm going to get to this right now. Right? I'm going to say it again though. The serpent approaches the woman 
regarding something that God didn't communicate directly to her. So if your Bible's open, look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. I believe we have it on the screen as well. And this is what it says. But the Lord God warned him. Who's him? Adam. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, verse 17, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to what? Die. And so again, who did God communicate this instruction to? Adam. And it says that he said it to him. Now Eve, we read last week, right after this part, where God says it's not good for man to be alone. And he creates a perfect, suitable partner uh, out of his side. And so this is even before Eve is there. God gave him the instruction. Now, what's interesting is here comes the devil in our text this week, chapter 3, and he's questioning Eve about what God said, but he, got, he knows God didn't directly say it to her, but to Adam. So the devil is very coy, would you agree? He's very crafty and he's very wise. And so he approaches her first, where he could have gone to Adam, but he chose a specific route or strategy. So the enemy came and he challenged, what did he do? He challenged God's word. Because he says, did God really say? Right? So he's, what is he doing? What's his strategy here? He's challenging God's word. And then secondly, he's challenging the one boundary that God had set. You see that? You're probably like, what does this text have to do with boundaries and people? You're, we're going to unpack it today. It's going to make sense. God said, you can eat from this whole entire garden. And everything was good. Everything was yummy, tasty. And I'm sure there were many trees that looked good and had good fruit. But the devil chose to challenge the one boundary that God placed. Because that's what he does. He's crafty. And, you know, you can look and there's so many things. But let's focus on the one thing that you can't touch. And so he, he goes after Eve that way. Look at her response, though, in verse 2. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, right? So she's saying, what are you saying? No, that's not what God said. But then in verse 3, she misquotes what God said to, not to her. She heard it secondhand. Because God communicated it firsthand to Adam. So she's quoting now, no, verse 3, God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. But here's the reality. God never said anything to Adam about touching it. He said if you eat it, you will surely die. And so here's the thing. She heard it secondhand from, from, from Adam. And so she's embellishing and misquoting what God actually said. Now the devil knows what God said. And that's why he's challenging it. So now he knew I got her. Because she's not just saying what God said. She's adding to it. She's embellishing. So now the devil is saying, okay, now we're going to get somewhere here. And in verse 4 and 5, he says, you won't die. So see, now he's on the offense all the more. You won't die. God knows that your eyes will be open and you will be like God, right? So he's telling her, oh, if you eat it, God knows the wisdom you're going to have, right? And so in verse 6, it's, you know, the tree was beautiful, it says. 
and the fruit looked delicious. I already alluded to it. I'm sure there were other trees in the garden that looked beautiful, whose fruit looked delicious. But here's the, the kicker. This is how he got her. It was on the wisdom part. And he said, uh, so she wanted the wisdom it would give her. It tells us in verse 6. So other trees probably looked as good, but the wisdom is the hook for Eve. That she wanted this knowledge or this wisdom that this tree could give her. Uh, Lisa and John Bevere have a, a series called The Story of Marriage. I believe it's an ebook, um, but I, I have this ebook. But out of that, they said this the false promise of equality with God caused the man and woman to think they were receiving something, right? Wisdom. When in actuality, they both lost. They did not receive wisdom, they accepted a deception. So you see, they thought by eating this, we're going to gain something, wisdom, and they were deceived. So with your Bible still open to Genesis 3, I want to continue reading with us in verse, uh, verse 8 of chapter 3. Here's what it says. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man... Where are you? Notice who he called for first. Man, where are you? Verse 10, he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And the serpent, the serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. There's a lot going on right here. And it all has to do with boundaries. It all has to do with boundaries. It's interesting. I love scripture and how we can break it down. Verse 8, they heard God walking, so they hid. Why would they hide? Because they had this relationship with God they had this freedom they were naked and didn't even know it you know my son Nathan's two and a half and after his bath he runs around the house naked and I don't mind because his little bum is so cute but the reality is to him there's no shame in his nakedness he's just a kid and he's running and and, and we chase him even sometimes but the reality is Josiah is older now and he's starting to understand like this is weird. Like, Dad, why is Nathan running around naked, right? It, it registers differently now. And so here is Adam and Eve, who God created them with this freedom where they're unashamed. But now they're hiding, and God who created them, created them with the freedom and liberty in the garden, says, why, why are they hiding? And it says that God is coming to find them, and he said, we heard you walking in the garden, so we hid. But I love verse 9. And every time I preach from this text, I always have to say this. In verse 9, the Lord called to man, where are you? And I just want to add this to this message today that you could be hiding from God. You're in his house, but you could still be hiding. 
You could be hiding behind religion, acting like you have a relationship with God, but you're hiding. But I want you to know and hear the heart of the Father. He goes and he seeks out Adam and he says, where are you? Where are you? And if you're here today within the sound of my voice and you're hiding from God, I, I believe the Spirit of God is, is loud enough that you can hear him coming and he, you hear the steps that he's chasing you down. That God loves you so much that he's coming after you and he's calling your name today. And I pray that you would be sensitive enough to the voice of God to say, Lord, here I am. You see, even though Adam and Eve did wrong, here they were hiding in the garden, but he had to still answer the call. When he said, where are you? Where are you? God is looking to find you where you're at. And verse 10, he says, I hear... I hear you walking, I heard you walking, so I hid. And, and, and he qualifies the statement why he was hiding. He said, I was afraid because I was naked. I was afraid because I was naked. And I love how God follows up to that question. Look at verse 11. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. Parents in the room, that's a yes or no answer, correct? Right? It's a yes or no question. And it's, so you answer with either yes or no. Did you eat the fruit? But look at his response. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. It was the woman. Now let's look at her response. Since he passed the buck to her, let's see her response. And she says, the serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. And so what does she do with the responsibility? She passes it on as well. So here's the picture. They crossed a boundary that day in the garden. They crossed a boundary. God came and confronted that very thing. He showed up and he confronted that boundary that they crossed. Here's what they did. They took the responsibility for their decision and they gave it to the next person in line. They, they handed it down. It's like hot potato. Whoop, my, my responsibility, but I'm going to pass it to you, Eve. And she says, whoa, this is a hot potato. I'm going to pass it on to the serpent. And, and she blames the serpent. But instead of doing that, and as people, we all have this tendency. That's why this message is so important, church, that we learn it today. Instead of doing what they did, we should take responsibility for the things that are ours and given to us by God. Did you know freedom is a responsibility? Freedom is a responsibility. And, and we're going to go through some of these this morning. But listen to what Proverbs 16.32 says in the NLT. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Rawr, right? You could conquer a city, but what's better than that is having self-control. This is what scripture is telling us. And there's something about God's desire for us to manage ourselves. And by managing ourselves, I mean manage ourselves well. There's something that God desires there's something about his desire for us to manage ourselves well and not to do what they did, to just give away responsibility. Listen to Proverbs 25, 28. 
Like a city that is broken into and without walls, I think of Jericho in my head as I read that, is a man who has no control over his spirit. Or it says a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. There's no boundary. Any, it's, you know, anything goes. But that's not the way God created us when it comes to responsibility. Now, there are things that are in our control and then there are things that are out of our control, right? So I just want to break down three areas of control. They're all on the screen. But number one is direct control. Those are the things that I have direct control over that I'm responsible for. Then there's the second one, right, where it's indirect control. Now, indirect means that um, I don't have direct control over, but that I could still influence in one way, shape, or form or another. And then the third is um, no control. No control. And I just want to share with you, there are three things that are tied to these words or, or these um, levels of control. So with direct control, direct control requires responsibility. Direct control requires responsibility. Remember, I have control, so I'm responsible for those things. Indirect control requires influence. They're out of my grasp, but I can still influence or nudge in a specific direction. And then the things that I have no control over require trust. The things I have no control over, it requires trust. And I hope as believers in the house today that when we have no control, the trust that we have is directed towards God. It's saying, Lord, I trust you because this is out of my hands. I trust you because this is out of my control. So this morning, I have um, a sermon illustration that some of you get nervous about. But listen to this. Right? They rattle. Uh, but here's what we're going to do. Who knows what these are called? Hula hoops. Correct. And uh, I need a couple. Since it's a, a series on relationships, I figured the best way we could go about this is who's had an anniversary that, that was like this past week or just coming up ahead? Is there anyone? Now you can't lie because you're in church. Or if you have a medical issue and, and then you say, okay, fine, we'll let, we'll let you stay seated. Who here has an anniversary that just passed or that's coming up that you're both in the house today, husband and wife? Wow. Okay, what, let's try this. This month is February. Anyone in the month of February have a wedding anniversary? Okay, what about March. Anyone have a wedding anniversary in March and you're both here in the house today? Okay. Pastor Miguel and Tasha, would you just come? We're just going to... They didn't raise their hand, but you're voluntold. You each have to grab a hula hoop. No, uh, one on each side for now. And um, three, two, one, battle. You're going to do a hula hoop contest. We're going to see who's got the most swing. No, I'm kidding. But would you just kind of put the hula hoop on? And for the sake of the sermon and this morning, this is not only a hula hoop. We're old enough to imagine a bit. But this is a boundary. Okay, these are boundaries right here. This is 
So if I'm that guy I started with that talks a little too close, right? He, there's a boundary here. And, and the boundary lets me know where he starts and where I stop. Right? That's a boundary. And now you're not doing a contest, so you can actually come closer. <laughs> kind of go on this side. I need you guys a little more there. There we go. So now they are husband and wife. So even in the context of marriage... So Pastor Miguel has a boundary as a person. His wife Tasha has a boundary as a person. In their marriage, picture a giant circle that's surrounding both of them. Right? There's a boundary also for them as a couple as well. And boundaries are healthy and boundaries are good. Right? So everybody in this room, whether you think you do or you don't, you have a boundary. You have a hula hoop. Right? Everything inside your hula hoop is your responsibility. You have direct control over what takes place inside of your hula hoop. So, Tasha, I want you to tell okay. your husband. Yeah. And you say something and yell it out or however you want to say. I'm angry. Okay. And she just threw something at, at her husband. Now. Say it nice and loud, but say it with sincerity. <laughs> right? As a direct result of her anger and frustration, right? He responds and he tells her, and I'm sad. Now, what's interesting is they're taking responsibility that is theirs for their emotions, and they're passing it over to the other instead of owning their own emotions and feelings. There is a way to properly speak about it as a husband and a wife. There's a right time and a right place. But as individuals, you have to learn to respect and, and know where these boundaries start and where they stop. So can you just give them a big hand and thank them? And you could just maybe slide them under the... The first row, and whoever wants a contest after, we'll meet you after. But you see, if you want another example, I'll paint you another picture. There's a mother who has a, a, a daughter or child, if you will, who's away at college, and they're, you know, away from home, and it's, you know, Christmas weekend, and they want their daughter to come home. But the daughter's idea of vacation was, well, I want to go skiing with my friends, right? And so the mom says to the daughter, if you don't come home for Christmas, I'm going to be miserable and you're going to ruin my entire Christmas break, my holidays, right? So she's projecting her emotions onto her daughter, manipulating the situation, if you will. Now, the daughter has a decision to make, and it's her own decision Again, we're talking in a healthy sense of boundaries now. She says, okay, mom, sure, I don't want you to be sad or angry. That's not the healthy picture. She, she shows up. She does stay home, even though she doesn't want to. But now guess what? She says, mom, I'm miserable because I'm home. I would, I would rather be skiing with my friends because that was what we were planning. And now you made me stay here, and now I'm miserable. I don't know if these conversations sound familiar to any families in the room, but the reality is the issue is boundary. 
The issues in this illustration are all about boundaries. And we're going to get into these somehow. But I want, want you to hear this first. Right? Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus speaking. And here's the, the point. If the God of all the universe is polite enough to stand at the door of our hearts and of our lives and knock, who do we think we are as individuals that we could just bust in on people's boundaries and just occupy their space and throw what's supposed to be our responsibility onto them? You see that? I stand at the door and knock. If God is that good and patient and polite, we need to learn a lesson today, some of us about boundaries and respecting one another. You see, Adam and Eve, it was exactly their issue that when God confronted them, they took the responsibility for their decision to eat the fruit, to sin, to cross the boundary that God set for them, and they gave it to the next person in line. That's where Genesis 3 makes total sense for today's message when we're talking about boundaries. Adam, what's going on? Eve... Eve, what's going on? Serpent. And a lot of times we don't own what we're supposed to own in terms of boundaries. You see, boundaries, just like when I was talking about mowing the lawn, boundaries are the invisible property lines in our lives. They're the invisible property lines in our lives. At your house, you know where to start and stop mowing, hopefully. The basis for our personal identities, what is me and what is not me, are part of boundaries. Where I start and where others stop. And so, define who I am and what I'm responsible for. This is what a boundary does. A boundary defines who I am and what I am responsible for. So, here's what I want you to think. Whenever you hear the word boundaries, from now on, think responsibility. Whenever you hear boundaries, think responsibility. Again, when you think responsibility, understand I have direct control over my responsibilities. I have direct control. I can't pass the buck. Sometimes I might do it unintentionally to my wife, but it's my responsibility. Sometimes I'll do it with my coworker, but again, it's my responsibility. If it's in my circle, my hula hoop, it's my boundary, it's my responsibility. I have direct control over it. So in our relationships, right, in our dealings with others, today I'm not, I'm not even speaking about marriage. That was last week. Everyone here is an individual person. That God created special and unique. But the reality is, even if you're looking for a future husband or a wife, hear me. I'm sure if you have your list, you want Mr. or Mrs. Wright, right? We have high standards. But if we flip the equation, are you that person for who you're praying for, right? When it comes to looking for the right person. We want the best for us. Are you the best for someone else? So this is why this message is important. When it comes to boundaries, we got to know what's our responsibility, what's in our control, then to know what are those indirect uh, areas where we could influence. And then lastly, if you have no control over something, guess what? Trust. Trust the Lord. Trust God in, in everything. So here's the big question for this morning. What's inside my circle? Right? What's, 
within my realm of responsibility and control? What's within my circle? So this isn't an exhaustive list or a concluded list. This is just to give you uh, an idea to get you started in understanding. So what are the things I'm responsible for? My thoughts, my feelings, my decisions, my sexuality, my fears, and my dreams. And these are all areas that, that hit close to home. Why? Because they're within your sphere. They're within your hula hoop, within your boundary. My thoughts, my feelings, my decisions, my sexuality, my fears, and my dreams. Now here's the trouble that we run into. There are three things that happen if we don't practice healthy boundaries. So if we don't learn anything from today, we don't learn to have healthy boundaries Here's what we risk. Number one, we risk losing objectivity. We will lose objectivity when we don't practice healthy boundaries. What is objectivity? The ability to see situations as they really are. Or the ability to see something clearly. So if we don't have healthy boundaries, our, our vision of objectivity gets blurred. Okay. Number two is we get a warped sense of responsibility. If we don't have healthy boundaries, then we are prone to having a warped sense of responsibility. In other words, we enable each other's irresponsibility. We neglect ourselves, And we begin even to resent the person that's in the relationship with us. Again, not only in the context of marriage. It could be a relationship at work with a coworker or people that are in our lives. We get a warped sense of responsibility And then thirdly, it can lead to control issues. Control issues. It's that whole dialogue about the mom and her daughter, right, who's away from college. Come home or else I'm going to be miserable, right? What is that? It's an effort to control the behavior of another person. Saying, if you're not here, I'm going to be miserable. Well, what good child wouldn't want their mom to not be miserable, right? So I, I don't want my mom to be miserable, so I'm going to go home. But then... That's just intimidation or manipulation, if you will. And, and that's why without healthy boundaries, it can lead to control. And we can use guilt, intimidation, or even comparison in this third category. So, all that to say this, how do we develop healthy boundaries? How do we then develop healthy boundaries? Right? If you own it, your responsibility... Your authority and power go with it as well. I want to break this down for you real quick, right? Let's say I'm at the mall and I see a child, not mine, but a child, right, who's misbehaving or, you know, just all over the place. I might have an opinion, but guess what? It's, it's not in my hula hoop, I have no direct, I actually have no control. I have to trust God that he's going to be able to help this child and the mother. But here's the reality. I can't go over there and discipline the child. I have no authority over that child. Why? Because they're not my responsibility. But guess what? My three children, they're my responsibility and my wife's responsibility. Therefore, I have the authority based on my responsibility. I own my responsibility Of, of being a parent, with that comes the authority and the power to, to lead them and influence them and control, so to speak, what's going on in the situation. And so um, 
when we're talking about developing these healthy boundaries, I do want to say this. No one is ever 100% responsible for the condition of the relationship. It's all your fault, right? Adam, Eve, no one, I mean, you ate the fruit too, bro. Come on. You're just as guilty as her, right? He was just passing the buck. But no one's ever 100% responsible for the condition of the relationship. Maybe 90% and you're the 10% perhaps. But no one is ever 100% responsible. Um, there's usually a decent split. But what if you made a commitment to own your part? Here it is. What if you made a commitment to own your part? What do I mean? So how do you develop healthy boundaries? Number one, start with your circle. Start with your circle. That's a great place to start. Own your responsibility. Listen, you don't have to wait for anyone else or everyone else. You can choose to start today to move toward health. And they can come with you or not. But hear me, either way, you're going to get healthier. When you are working and owning what's your responsibility, even if the other person doesn't choose to operate that way or get better, guess what? You're going to get better. You're going to heal. And then when they're going to come and try to pass you the buck, you're going to say, sorry, uh, I, I hear you feel like that. I hear your heart, but you can't project that onto me. That's something you need to own up and be responsible for. Why? Because it's in your direct control. All right? Freedom comes from taking responsibility Bondage comes from giving it away. It's a deep one. Freedom comes from taking responsibility. That's why we have to own it. Bondage comes when we try to give it away and have someone else deal with it. Right? Since you can't make anyone else change, change yourself. You can't make your husband or your wife change. If we're talking about relationships in a marriage context, you can't. But you can change yourself. And if you feel like it's them, it's, you know, pray. And in the process, ask God to work on your heart. Ask God to help you. Because if you own it, guess what? You're going to get better. You're going to get healthier. And even if the other person hasn't learned a thing, guess what? They will try to throw things into your hula hoop. And you can just say, nope, it doesn't work that way. This, this is not how it works. That's, that's your responsibility. And you could... You own yours, but then you can t help teach them even. Now, does it mean that you just shove it back in their face and you just keep reminding them about a boundary, right? No, you can offer help as much as you can, but it's up to them to, to accept it or not, right? But number two, we said number one, start with your circle. Number two, own your emotions. Own your emotions. Why? Because they're in your circle. Your emotions are in your circle. You're responsible. Here's, here's some facts as I was digging into this and researching more. Emotions don't happen to us. They are inner signals sending us energy and information that prompt us to act. So no one could give you emotions. No one could give you them. They're inner signals that, that take place, that happen. Now here's the truth. God gave each and every one of us emotions. Some emotions we like, others we don't like as much, and they don't feel good. But their designed intent is to move us one way or another. The, the intent and the design of our emotions is that they're supposed to move us. 
And either it's going to move us toward good, if they're good emotions, or negative emotions will lead us or move us towards negative, uh, a negative feeling. But every emotion you experience, hear this, is self-generated based on brain chemistry, past experiences, and your interpretation of the current moment. So every emotion you experience is self-generated. So in other words, I have to stop blaming others for how I feel today. I have to own my emotions to begin to build healthy boundaries in my life. You see how this is all connected? If you come to church on Sunday morning and you're miserable, don't start by, by pointing a finger. Start by looking at yourself. Start by asking, am I owning these emotions? And here's, I'm going to give you a super helpful tip that was given to me. If you could stop in the moment and try to name the emotion, name what you're feeling on the inside. Just, it doesn't matter if it's a right name, a funny name, or a wrong name. As long as you could put into words and give it a name, giving it a name is like, you know, a suitcase with a handle. What's that handle do? You can control it, right? You carry it and you can maneuver it. Well, if you don't put a name on those emotions, they're just going to run rampant and you don't understand what's going on. But if you could find a name for what you're feeling and you just call it stress, and then stress is this, you named it, so now you can handle it. You know what you're dealing with, so you grab it and you walk around and you say, stress, you're within my responsibility, my control. So I get to determine how I respond and how I go about life. I'm not going to live stressed out. I'm too blessed to be stressed. And so I, I name it so it gives it a handle and I could tell it where to go. And I send it where it needs to go. And so here's a good, good strategy. Name what you're experiencing or feeling. Why? It's in your realm. It's in your hula hoop. It's within your boundary. It's your responsibility. I'm just giving you some tools that you can use. And then think about it. Don't let it fester within you. Now, this is a message that is, is more practical in terms of its application. It's, it might sound less spiritual. It's more teaching than preaching. I'm aware of that. But in this series, I think it's, it's okay. I think it, it calls for us to learn beyond uh, even just scripture. We know Adam and Eve sinned. We know that God came looking for them. So don't forget the word that we've read, but understand that when God came to confront them, God wants to deal with, with the, the boundaries that we've crossed and we've made mistakes. But look, don't be like Adam in this way where they're hiding, they're afraid. God still can find you. That's not the big thing. The big thing is when God says, Adam, what did you do? He's like, Eve. Eve. What happened here? The serpent. God's not dumb. God knows A, B, and C. But the reality is he wants you to own what your responsibility is. You have to own it. And if you learn nothing else or if you just are tuning in even right now, you've heard this, you've heard it all. That you have to own the things that God has given you responsibility over. And I think as a church, we need to grow up. We need to mature in this area, knowing where boundaries start and stop, but then also knowing, listen, 
I can offer help. It's okay. It's not a sin. It's not wrong. Even though we all have boundaries, we can still approach. We, there's a right and a wrong way. I think at the end of the month, we're going to talk about conflict. Uh, I'm, I feel very evident that just how do we deal with conflict? Is there a biblical answer or approach? And, and I really feel as we talk about relationships, how can we not talk about conflict? And how do we deal with conflict? How do we handle it? Because it's inevitable in life, right? But today's lesson, if, if we don't learn today, it's going to be hard when conflict comes. Know what your responsibility is. Know what's in your hula hoop, what's in your boundary, because that's what you have direct control over and did you know we're talking about relationships all month long but one of the greatest relationships that you're responsible for is your relationship with Jesus did you know that it's great to talk about relationships it's great to have great relationships we're we're encouraging that all month but all of that is second to this relationship your personal relationship with Jesus Christ And one of my promises in 2020, as we said, this is going to be a year of miracles, is that we're going to give people an opportunity. We're going to make space for God to move. We're going to make space for people to know God, to find freedom, to discover their purpose, and ultimately to make a difference. But it has to start with knowing God. And you might be here in the room today, and uh, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus And it would be remiss of me to not give everyone here in this room an opportunity to establish this incredible relationship between you and God. Between you and God. It is important. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, here's the promise, You will be saved. Is it on the screen there? Can we put that last verse? I think we have it there. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.